Hi, I'm Carlin Holbrook. I'm a John Maxwell team certified coach, teacher, trainer, speaker, published author, and influencer with more than 25 years of global leadership experience. If there's one thing I've seen firsthand time and time again, it's that the best leaders inspire others to follow their purpose and their passions, while the influence of a bad leader can literally tear down people's potential. Join me for a few sips of leadership tips that will help you become a better leader by first conquering the hardest person to lead, you. There's a lot of fear these days. Fear of COVID, fear of job loss, fear of just about everything. Fear of who's the next person sitting in the White House, fear of, you know, how am I going to feed my family and fear of violence on the streets, and I could go on and on, but I don't need to. I know that everybody listening, I'm sure, watches the news, if not the news, social media, and talks to people and understands and sees what's going on around in the world, and it's a lot of fear. And lately, I've been talking to a lot of people about overcoming that fear. How do you overcome that fear? Um, Do you ever overcome it, or is it just something that you manage through? And A good friend of mine who happens to have an Etsy shop too makes these awesome stickers Um, and one of them is Faith Over Fear. I'm actually looking at it right now and I keep it on my desk while I'm working and I keep another one next to my bed at night and it reminds me over and over again to have faith over fear. And I realize that sometimes that statement becomes a little cliche and people aren't really sure exactly, well, what does that mean, faith? Um, So... You know, as I was talking to someone the other night, I started thinking about, well, where does my faith come from and why do I have a faith in that? Um, Just, I mean, just everyone's very clear. Of course, I fear just like any other human being on the earth. Fear creeps in in negative thoughts. Fear creeps in in what if I can't, if this, what if, what if, what if, right? The spirals that kind of go into oblivion and go sometimes down a toilet to flush it. I fear as much as the next person, but I try to manage that fear through my faith. So I started digging into my brain. I started thinking about, okay, where does that come from? And has anyone ever seen the movie Final Destination? Now stay with me on this for a minute. That movie is about a group of kids who essentially cheat death, which is supposed to be their... Um, Endgame, the Grim Reaper's coming after him, but one of them has a premonition that the plane is going to go down and they all get off the plane and the plane does crash and everybody else dies. Well, that was their their fate. And so the Grim Reaper keeps coming after him. Death keeps coming after them until it can get to all of them. Now, I didn't see the other five or four films in the franchise, but I remember thinking about that movie and, and then what I've gone through in my own life, I feel like I've cheated death several times. Yeah, a lot of car accidents, sadly, as an adult. I've, I've almost been taken out a few times. But my most vivid memory is when I was 12 years old, about 12 years old, and I was surfing Ocean Beach, San Diego. And I was learning to surf, so I was falling off the board quite a bit on my shortboard. And I remember one time I wiped out so hard that I went under the waves, down in the water, board hit my head. I didn't know up from down. And I remember a very real feeling that I was going to die. Like I did not, I couldn't get air. I was running out of air in my lungs. And I remember just praying, help me, God, like help me. That's it. 
And before I knew it, I was my head was above water. I was coughing. I was in shallower water, and my friends were saying, are you okay? Are you okay? And I just thought, oh, my gosh, like, what just happened? And that really stuck with me. That, that little moment of just help me, God, just stuck with me. And then again, when I was, I think, 16, I was coming back from junior theater, which was in Balboa Park in San Diego. I used to take classes and dance and sing. That was fun. And I was stepping off the bus onto the, a very busy street, but I was in the crosswalk, and I was looking at the light for whatever reason instead of looking at oncoming traffic and thought, okay, it's okay to cross. And before I knew it, a, a car came, hit me, and I flew. I can't tell you how far, and I hit the pavement pretty hard. And then I do remember vividly feeling like, okay, I got to get up. I just have to walk home. I just have to walk home. And then a woman running out of her car going, what are you doing? What happened? And like freaking out and then wanting to go to sleep like really badly. And now, of course, I understand that that was probably because I had a concussion. But the the woman kept me awake. Um, and I was in, before I knew it, I was in the ambulance. And the EMTs were asking me questions. What's your name? Where do you live? And they were asking me if, you know, if I was okay. And I said, I don't think I have any drain damage. And they didn't find that funny. I still find it a little funny. Uh, you know, humor is my coping mechanism, is, is hopefully you're getting to know me either through this or personally. I, I, I just have to, you know, a little, a, little, a little jab here and there. It is what it is. Um, but miraculously, I mean, they told me when I got to the hospital, x-rays and everything, and they said, oh, you've broken your elbow, broken your femur. Um, absolutely. And I, all I could think about is, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna be able to dance. I'm not gonna be able to do my dance classes. I'm not gonna be able to do my theater classes. And I remember praying that please let this not be true. And when they came back and they said, I don't understand, you aren't, the, the x-rays show that you're not broken. Um, I'm sorry, they, they examined me, then they put me into x-ray and the x-ray showed that I didn't have any breaks. And they put me in again for x-rays because they just didn't believe it. And I feel like, wow, you know, there's there's the God of the universe answering my prayers again. It was amazing. And I did walk away with a scar. I have a really nasty piece of asphalt and scar on my elbow, which actually I'm quite proud of because it reminds me of that story that miracles do happen. And I felt like getting away from that was a miracle. In fact, they told me I had smashed the windshield of a car with my head and I should have been blinded. I should have had all kinds of damage done to my to my brain. Okay, no jokes. Ha ha. Maybe it is. I know if my brother's listening, he's probably like, well, it definitely did something. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, yeah, that, that is another incident. And then fast forward even to 2008, I was in a car accident. Um, a tourist uh, pulled out of a parking lot into oncoming traffic and the sun blinded him and, and, and smashed my car. So I broke my ankle and unfortunately developed blood clots um, while it, during the healing process and had a bilateral pulmonary embolism in my lungs. Blood clots shot from my leg, broke apart into my lungs, and I didn't know what was happening. I thought I was just dizzy and had a headache, and so I went to sleep that night, and then the next morning um, my husband took me into the hospital or the ER because I was like, something doesn't feel right. And they admitted me right away and were like, I don't know how you're still alive. Like, you should be dead. Like, bigger clots and or lesser clots and lesser things kill most people. And for a week in the hospital, being shot up with blood thinners and laying flat on my back, I entertained a lot of doctors and nurses that wanted to come see the person who survived um, such an embolism. 
And truly, I remember those moments where I was at I was at work and I was getting dizzy and didn't feel well. I remember saying, God, help me. That's all it was. Just God, help me. Not a big fancy prayer. I didn't have to do any kind of weird rituals or anything. You know, Gabby Bernstein, I love her. Um, she wrote a book called The Universe Has Your Back. But for me, I've always thought, well, but then who has the universe? I did grow up in church. I did go to different churches when I was a kid, didn't like them. Um, and then as an adult, I went to different ones. And unfortunately, I've been to a lot of churches that have had a lot of drama, had a lot of scandal, have had things happen. And and for a while, I resented church as an organization just because I felt like, why can't they ever get it right? You know, they're supposed to be above reproach, but then, but then to be fair, they're just people too. And those churches or organizations like a business where people are inherently flawed and have drama and fight and politics and tensions and everything too. So I don't mean for this to come across as dissing church. I think it's a beautiful thing. I just think sometimes people ruin it. I feel like people actually ruin God, frankly, and I feel like religion can can ruin God. So I always tell people, I'm a person of faith, not religion, because I think that's a really important difference because I don't buy into a lot of man-made doctrine and made-up rules, and I completely denounce any church that thinks dancing is a sin because that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. And I believe it's a personal relationship. And for me, that is where my faith comes from. And knowing something bigger is out there, something bigger than myself. And I'm okay with knowing, not knowing everything. I'm okay with knowing that I'm a human with limited, you know, ability to know the mysteries of the universe. <laughs> it sounds cliche or it sounds like a Discovery Channel special, but I really... I really think it's it's all right because I feel every single one of us are put on this earth for a reason. And if we just pay attention to that bigger picture, to the signs around us, to the people that are put in our path that give us lessons, to a God that does have the universe, um, then it would help us to get through a lot more of our fears. Certainly the things that I've gone through have definitely deepened my faith. See, I am a Christ seeker and long to be like a man who lived more than a couple thousand years ago, and he taught of love and he taught of eternity. And I believe that every single one of us have a soul, and that is what makes us unique. I mean, how else do you really explain different fingerprints, different DNA, all the intricacies of how we're created? And you can sit here and argue like Big Bang Theory all you want, but I just believe someone was behind the Big Bang. That's all. A creator of intelligence design in the universe, someone who has been there for me because I it wasn't my time to go. In all those instances, I believe that my purpose had not been fulfilled yet. So that's why I'm still here and I'm talking to you all. So that's what feeds me and that's what fuels me. Do I understand it all? No. Do I understand all the mysteries of the universe? No, because I think our human brains aren't really meant to. And I'm okay with that. I think that's what makes it interesting to continue to seek, to continue to explore, and to be curious and to ask questions. I love learning about other religious beliefs and spiritual beliefs. I really do, because it just helps me to see kind of the beauty of the differences across our whole world. Now, I know that a lot of you are saying, okay, why are you talking about religion? I thought this was a leadership podcast. 
So what does faith have to do with leadership? Well, for me, everything. My faith drives my values. It drives my character. And then my character is the basis of how I lead others. And if you don't believe you need faith in God or a higher power, then how do you define your moral compass? I mean, even some of the laws in our country are based on the Ten Commandments. How do you know what's right versus wrong? What is a moral absolute versus not? Not a theoretical, I'm sorry, not a rhetorical question. I would love to have a conversation about it. I mean, truly, direct mail me, email me, anything. Because I really am interested, like what defines your moral compasses? Like how do you know what's right from wrong? I know a lot of people like to talk about being a relativist and it's all relative. But this is what, then I would ask you this. If it's all relative, then how do you know it's wrong to walk up to a person on the street and that you don't know, stick a gun to their head and shoot them dead? How do you know that that's not wrong to do? I'm sorry that that is wrong to do. There's got to be a moral compass, something in there. And I do think some of that is inherently created in us. It's just which part of us do we feed? Do we feel feed the opportunity of evil and sin and dark side that a lot of us give into and make bad choices to give into? Or do you feed the part of you that says, hey, I'm Jiminy Cricket and I know this is not good. But again, where does that come from? And again, I go back to, I believe that we have a soul and I believe God puts those, those things in our hearts and puts that innate, innately in us. And then when we don't know and we don't get it, we can look to him for guidance of what feels right, what knows right. You know, people talk about gut and intuition and feelings. Again, where does that come from? It has to happen on a more spiritual level because it's not physiologically proven that there's a gut or an intuition it's not an organ in our body. It comes from our spirit, comes from our soul. And I do believe that so often, if we listen to that and listen to that voice within and pay attention to those things that are good and moral, and again, go back to our moral compass, then we will be better leaders. Because inherently, everything that's good, true, pure, that God creates for us, makes us the better leaders that we are because it's about community. It's about people. It's about service and serving others. All of those things, if you look at, you know, the person that Jesus was a mil- like, you know, a couple millennia ago is, is really leadership. It's about being inclusive of everyone. He talked to prostitutes. He talked to people in the temple. He talked to everyone. He brought them in and made them feel like, hey, you're loved no matter what. I think that's a pretty darn good example for leaders, don't you? So just a few sips. Define your values. We all need to root our decision-making, day-to-day decision-making, and our actions in a set of core values. And this is what makes up our character. And again, our character is the heart of being a leader. My values really root to the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. You know, if we followed that, each of us followed that as a leader and as a person and a human being in this earth, can you imagine how different everywhere everything would be? The second tip, don't compromise your values in the name of office politics. I have seen some really good people feel like they have to get caught up in office politics and orchestrating and creating allies alliances and talking to this person before that person and 
et cetera, et cetera. And really what it's doing, it's just giving them an excuse to act without integrity and, and lie and maneuver and do things that are actually pretty darn shady. And to me, those don't align with integrity. I think, you know, we all have to check ourselves. We all have to slow down. And this often leads to like mean girls and mean boys in the office place of, you know, taking other people down. And it's almost like acts of war. But it's all, oh, this is just the way it is. And this is how you operate. And this is how we get things done. Can we not change that and bring things out in the open and have authentic conversations and be real with each other? Can you imagine how the world of work would completely change if everyone would just have conversations face-to-face, have the courage to speak up to people when they wrong you, when they make you feel less, when they make you feel small, but even when you don't agree with their idea. I don't care what title they are, but that's a problem. We get caught up in this hierarchical structure, almost militaristic type of structure. And again, that is not a bash at the military themselves. They have it. It's a good thing for a reason. But in a corporate world, in a, in a business, even in small businesses, when you start keeping your mouth silent because someone above you has said something or you would disagree with them or you don't want to ruffle feathers or, you know, what go on and on and on, that is not right. And that's not going to make the best product. That's not going to foster innovation. That's not going to help us be better. All it does is create a bunch of yes people. And I don't think that's what we give paychecks for. We get paychecks to hear our ideas, challenge the status quo, give different points of view and perspectives to things. And we should be able to do that out in the open and have conversations with each other openly and create and cultivate relationships openly. I just think the world would be so different. The workplace would be so different. We'd have so much more job satisfaction. People would love coming to work because they would feel like they, they work in a place of trust and not competition and vendettas and territorialism. I can't tell you how sick of that stuff I am. It's just, it's mind-numbing, and it does no good. And it doesn't move anybody forward. It keeps everybody swirling where they are, and it's counterproductive. Okay, that was a long sip. A little passionate about that one. But here's the last sip. I just encourage everybody, just find, find your true north. Find your moral compass. Figure out what that means with you. Because when faced with difficult decisions, when your business is in trouble, when you're not sure what to do about if your kids are going to go to school or not go to school, or when, you know, sadly, if you've lost your job, especially this year and during everything else that's going on, and that fear starts to overtake you. For me, knowing there's a God who has my back, and I may not understand it all, and I may not have the answers right now, But that no matter what happens, he will provide, he will show a way, there is a way, he will comfort me to encourage faith, not fear. And that's where I place my my faith. I love people, I believe in them. And we are at the same time wonderfully flawed human beings just trying to survive and thrive in an often scary world. We need something bigger to believe in. And that will keep the coffee flowing from what oftentimes feels like an empty carafe. But truly, when I think about the grace I've been given throughout my entire life, and so many times, I feel like my cup has runneth over. 
Thank you for having a cup of coffee with me today. I want to give my friend's Etsy shop a proper plug. It's Jubilant Field Studio, and you can find Faith Over Fear sticker, but there's also Wonderfully Made and Blessed, Rejoice, just all kinds of really great inspiring words and phrases that I think we could all use a little bit more of these days. Check out uh, Leaderships. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, pretty much every social platform you can find me. And my website, carlinholbrook.com. I would love to hear from you. Direct message me. You can email me. Uh, reach out. Would love to hear how how you're enjoying leaderships. If you have questions, if you want to chat a little bit more about you know finding your moral compass, anything. I'm here. And then until next time, keep on brewing. <laughs>